Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Thursday. First with yesterday's news, I and Glenn ZB were looking back at Wednesday. Um, and what do you do when you're on a plane and somebody refuses to wear a mask? Uh, what do you do when you're trying to pay your mortgage and the interest rates go up? What do you do when you want people to go to the Antarctic for tourism, but then they muck it up with the carbon emissions? And uh, what do you do about big pens? That last one might sound a bit random, but this is Marcus we're talking about. We're going to start up, though, uh, with the, the COVID stats. So they are just a little bit out of date, given that turns out we can't process the tests. This current slowdown of results and delays is, of course, not the fault of the lab technicians and the testers who, for all intents and purposes, are working their butts off here. They seemingly cannot go any faster than they already are, but they're at the behest of a system that's been created without much regard for what's actually possible. It's the classic theory versus reality of this government, which strikes again. They've invented a political response, which you could argue at the moment is neither current nor relevant. It it ignores, one, the mildness of the illness, and two, the actual real-time data, which is so frustrating, isn't it? And I don't even have it yet. It's only a matter of time, surely. Uh, My daughter's schoolmates are dropping like flies. Many schools have So many teachers isolating, they've had to shut shop. And they've sort of got this feeling of a clock ticking, doesn't it, for those of us who are parents, particularly for school students. And it's the waiting. That's the annoying bit, isn't it? The anticipation of it. And for many, the fear that actually goes with that. And I hope those who've locked themselves up with fear will be able to, you know, relax a bit once this all washes through. It's sad how restrictive many people have made their lives. And it makes you wonder if they'll do this during flu season as well, or if it's just the name COVID that freaks people out. Either way, hopefully we see a peak soon and we can start to come out the other side of all this. Do you think there actually is another side to all this? Or are we just opening ourselves up to more pain thinking that we're ever going to come out of anything? You know what I mean? Are we just going to be wearing masks on... Planes forever. I was on a flight uh, in New Zealand flight uh, Monday last week um, from Auckland to Wellington, and I ended up actually getting up and asking another passenger to um, put their mask back on, um, mainly because he'd been asked twice by the cabin crew to wear it properly, and as soon as I'd walked away, he took it off. And, really? Uh, Were you reluctant yeah. to go and do that? I was conflicted, Simon. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the sort of thing I'd normally get up and do. I thought a lot about it, but. Um, I've got two um, immunocompromised people in my family, um, and I was just, yeah, I was just angry about it, really. I thought, you know, it's just selfish. He clearly didn't have an exemption because he didn't make a fuss when he was asked to put it on by the cabin crew. He just put it on, but then he immediately took it off again. And what was his reaction to you when you Mm. went down again? Uh, He got a bit of a fright. Um, I just just stood up and asked him. He was on the row in front of me and across the other side of the aisle, and I just asked him if he thought he was more um, more important than everybody else on the flight. <laughs> and, and he didn't quite get what I was meaning at first. And I said, you've been asked, you know, four times to put your mask on and you keep taking it off. And he argued the point and I sort of said, you know, well, it was in the safety briefing and the cabin crew have asked you twice and now I'm asking you. And, um, yeah, so then I sat down, he put it on, I sat down and I kind of kept an eye on him throughout the flight. He never took it off again. 
And, what know, what would you have done? See, this mm, is what worries mm. me with these set situations. I don't blame him for doing what you did, Nathan. What say he had taken it off after five minutes? Would you have gone back for another go? I would have gone. I know I would have gone back and talked to the cabin crew. I'd tried to get their attention anyway, but they mm. they actually um, they seem to be not walking up and down the aisles during flights at the moment. And I've, no. I guess that's a safety thing for them as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, if he'd, I, I think I would have just got hold of the cabin crew and asked them to sort it out. Yeah. You know, it's not really. It's it's difficult, but he was just a young a young guy. Thought he was being smart, really, and he wasn't. Uh, see, I'm going to be on a plane tomorrow, and now if there's somebody on there and not in a mask, am I supposed to beat them up? Is it? I suppose. Okay. All right then. Um. Uh, now uh, mortgages. It sounds like that's getting a little bit pricier. Look at that. People who have seen, who have lived through. Inflation at astronomical levels and survived when interest rates were the 23 to 25% on mortgages. That's how much extra people were paying for money. People who, God, had bought farms and were paying phenomenal amounts of money and a huge amount of that in interest and who have survived. Those of you who have taken on mortgages in the past few years, have you got the wriggle room to get through this? Was it getting into a home at all costs that mattered to you or were you not willing to sacrifice financial security and being able to sleep at night? Did some of you, when you were going from endless open home to endless auction to endless price negotiation with real estate agents, think, you know what, I'm going to step away, just wait and see what happens. Did you see the winds building up and think, hmm, I might just wait till this passes and then pounce? For those who are good at managing the household budget, can you crunch it down, find a few extra dollars here and there down the back of the couch, so to speak? How much of the OCR's announcement, which will be in the two o'clock news, announced around two o'clock this afternoon, is going to have a bearing on what you do next? All I know is um, we decided to go out and have... um pizza and beer and wine and a prawn salad at our local bistro last night in response to all the news that happened yesterday. So does that mean it hasn't affected me that much or it's really affected me? I don't know. I don't think it was directly related to the OCR. It might have been more the COVID stuff. But no, I didn't. I wasn't paying that much attention. I got pizza and beer, so that was the main thing. Um, now, uh, off to Antarctica? Well, please don't take your carbon emissions with you, will you? Stop polluting it. Far out, guys. Is it fair to pin the blame on the tourists? No, I think um, I mean I think we've all got a little bit of uh, blame to uh, to be fair. Like it's uh, it's the whole global equation. Um, it's not just the uh, the tourists that are heading down to Antarctica, and don't forget all the uh, the researchers that head down to the uh, the ice as well. Do we need to maybe, I mean, th- th- probably the suggestion is going to be let's put a cap on the tourists. Do we need to think about that? And I think that there's, um, there's some very uh, interesting political uh, ruminations behind what's possible and what's not. And um, and there's certainly a, a very different equation between the Rossi region of Antarctica where heritage heads to and the Antarctic Peninsula where this study's been um, conducted. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't know about Antarctica as a tourist destination because I, what I really want from a holiday is a swim-up bar and I just don't think they have them down there and if they do they're probably quite hard 
because they'll be frozen. You see what I mean? But the whole thing would be like, you know, those stupid ice bars that you can only go and do for two minutes at a time because they're so cold and you can only drink vodka and it doesn't freeze. Uh, we're going to finish up here uh, with... Uh, see, this is Marcus's wheelhouse, isn't it? Stationary. So yesterday, I did something I never do. Because these days, who does this? I brought myself, bought, purchased. Purchased myself a set of three pens. Bic. I had to do some work, not related to this job, but one of my other... Um, hats that I wear if you call it a hat berets so I had to get a pad a writing pad and some biros I was in a hurry I was up early and then got to bed late because that's my job and I thought I'd just carry buy some biros and a pad quite quickly to do some writing and the reason was because I didn't trust my phone because my phone for some reason keeps cutting out so I'm old school. I've gone back to pen and paper, and that's useful. Although what I've noticed since I don't use a pen and paper much is my handwriting, which was always dreadful, has gone from dreadful to become in, uh, to become illegible. Is that right? Have I used that word right? Illegible. So anyway, so I get my pen, a big pen, which was always the standard, Pack of three, $4.70, blue, red, and black. Illegible. And I sit down, and normally I destroy pens because I'm a pen chewer. I hate to think how much plastic I have consumed by being a pen chewer. And that's why I don't even use pens much now because they're always ruined. Within about three weeks. And if you're a pen chewer... You become very adept at using the Bunsen burner at school, using something else that once it goes, because once you chew them, the whole down push, pushing mechanism breaks free and it becomes unusable. And when that happens, you've got to burn the top of it and compress it and make it a pen that you can't turn on and off, but it's functional. Anyway, so I bought this pen and paper and the pen I didn't even chew because maybe I've outgrown that. Maybe that need to chew has gone. But, and here's the kicker, within 20 minutes, the pen broke. I've never, ever had a big pen break before. I wasn't pressing particularly hard. There was nothing like that. And it's got me thinking. I don't know if this is a topic, but we're going to give it a go. It got me thinking, what's gone wrong with big pens? Now, that's interesting, um, because... I've always been very critical of pen snobs. You know, the people who insist on using fountain pens. It's, just, it's so stupid. It's so high maintenance. And they're always shaking them to try and get them to go. And insisting that they're way better. But they aren't. They're just... Can I say wanky? I think I can say wanky, can I, on this podcast? Can I say it? If I can't, just forget that I said it, please. And we'll move on quickly. But what, what I'm... Uh, but... If big pens are falling to pieces, that's a concern. But the real question here is, what's Marcus doing buying pens? I don't remember the last time I, I bought a pen because they just turn up, don't they? You, you know, your real estate agent puts one in your letterbox. Um, you get sent one, you know, with something else. You accidentally steal one when you're filling out a form. I can't remember the last time I actually bought a pen. 
I'm, maybe that's just my privileged life that I'm leading. I'm Glenn ZB. Lifestyles of the rich and famous here. Just pens galore. Oh, that one's not working? Oh, here's another one that I got for free at a hotel or something. <laughs> Remember when we used to stay at hotels? And not because we were in the MIQ? No, me either. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that has been News with ZB. See you back here again uh, tomorrow. Make a note of it with your big pen. <laughs>